Hi, and welcome to More Human, More Resources, the HR podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Vicki Brown, your host and CEO of Vidominale Enterprises. As a serial entrepreneur, I understand that having the right expert help has been critical to my success. That's why I'm dedicated to telling you, in plain language, what's going on in the world of HR that might impact your business and what you need to do about it with real actionable tips to help you master that list of must-dos and grow your leadership muscle. First things first, the information contained in this podcast is provided for general purposes only and is not to be considered legal advice. Your decision to adopt or not adopt any practice or procedure mentioned in this podcast is solely yours and we bear no responsibility for the outcome. We urge you to always consult legal counsel and other appropriate licensed professionals. And with that, let's get into the show. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 3. In this week's episode, our question of the day is how to terminate an employee. But before we do a deep dive on that question, let's take a quick look at what's happening around the nation. In Connecticut, it's time for employers even if they only have one employee, to prepare for that state's new paid family leave. Now, while the time off portion of the new law isn't effective until January 2022, effective this coming January 2021, employers have to start taking deductions from their employees' payroll to fund the program. So, what are your recommended next steps? Well, first off, review the law's requirements, then determine if you want to opt into the state's plan or purchase comparable private insurance for your employees. Now, if you elect to get private insurance, keep in mind that in addition to having comparable coverage, a majority of your employees also have to agree to the program and you must apply to the state for an exemption. Work with your payroll provider to make sure the appropriate withholding code has been set up and that they have developed a means to transmit the funds to the state's authority trust fund. Now, if you handle payroll in-house, make sure you fully understand the withholding and funding requirements and have put a procedure in place. And finally, training and notification. Make sure your managers are trained on the new law and that you prepare and distribute a notice to employees outlining the new January 1st deduction they'll see on their paychecks. Florida has joined a number of other states in passing a law to increase the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour. The current hourly minimum wage of $8.56 will gradually increase until it reaches $15 per hour in 2026. So, what should you do to prepare? Well, first off, familiarize yourself with the wage steps that are going to happen starting January 1st, with an increase to $8.65 per hour. Next, take a close look at your current compensation practice and make the necessary adjustments. Also, notify employees about the new pay rates. And finally, make sure you train your HR, payroll, and management teams on how to respond to employee questions. Do you employ minors in your California business? And if so, do you have five or more employees? If the answer is yes, then effective January 1, your HR team and some of your frontline managers will join the ranks of people required to report suspected child abuse. 
they'll become what's called mandated reporters, meaning they will be legally required to personally report known or suspected child abuse to the appropriate law enforcement or social service agency. As an employer, what are your responsibilities? Well, if you're a business that hires minors and has five or more employees, then your business is covered under the new law. Identify the individuals who would be considered mandated reporters and provide the required training to all mandated reporting individuals. A quick pro tip here. The training is significant, approximately four hours, and you can access it for free on the Office of Child Abuse Prevention site. I'll put details in the show notes. Now, on to the question of the day. You know, there are a lot of reasons you may have to terminate someone's employment. Of course, the most obvious is that they just aren't doing a very good job. But aside from that, maybe you just have to reduce your payroll load by getting rid of some positions on your team. That's called a reduction in force or RIF. But no matter the reason, letting someone go will never be the most fun part of your job as a leader. But it is a task you're going to have to conquer. So today I'm going to walk you through the process by focusing on the four D's, decisions, documents, the discussion, and disengaging. So first off, you have to make a few key decisions that will determine the steps you have to take later in the process. Is this a termination for poor performance? If so, hopefully you've been tracking their work and giving them feedback throughout. It's helpful if the feedback includes some sort of formalized warning process. Now I know warning process sounds very official and intimidating, but actually it should. An employee generally will only be put into a warning process after there have been a few conversations about where they need to improve and it looks like they still aren't getting it. Putting someone on warning is an opportunity for you to say, look, this is really an important issue and you have to clear it up. Otherwise, it might impact your ability to keep working here. After all, someone deserves to know definitively if what they're doing is a planet killer for their employment. And with going through the pre-warning and then warning conversations, you've done everything possible to make sure they aren't surprised when the termination actually happens. Termination should never be a surprise. Even when you have to do a reduction in force, prepare the team. Let them know that all budget lines are being reviewed because of a drop in revenues or whatever, and that you will have more information within the next week or whatever time frame. The next choice you have to make is when. Will the termination be immediate or for a future date? And if you choose a future date, do you want them to keep working until that time or just remain on payroll without doing active work? When you select a future date that's more than a few days out, it's called a notice period. Now remember, you're not required to provide a notice period. That is unless you're in California and you require your employees to give you notice before they quit. That's right. If you have a policy somewhere that says something like, you must give us two weeks notice of termination, then you've just locked yourself and the company into providing two weeks notice whenever you terminate someone. So don't have that policy. If you give your terminated employee a notice period, then their actual date of termination is moved to the end of the notice period date. That means they're still considered your employee eligible for benefits and workers' compensation 
until the actual end date. Now, alternately, you might just want to pay a notice amount in one lump sum. The nice part about doing it this way is that the employee's last day doesn't get pushed out, so it's a bit cleaner. I see this happen a lot in reductions in force. Another possibility is that you're just pushing out the date a couple of days so you can get the final paperwork and paycheck ready. Something like you're going to tell them on Monday that Friday is their last day. Now, generally, I would suggest just waiting until Friday to tell them. But if there are other reasons you want to notify them early, then I say simply pay them for those five days and don't require them to continue to work. It's the easiest and cleanest way to go. Another decision you'll have to make is if you want to pay severance. Now severance is an extra amount or other type of consideration paid to the terminating employee. Most often, a severance payment is tied to a separation agreement. The separation agreement is a contract between you and the terminated employee. Since it's a contract, it should always be drafted by your labor counsel. And it says, I'll give you this in exchange for release. So I'll give you three months or two weeks or two years of severance in exchange for you releasing the company from charges of wrongdoing. Now keep in mind, severance doesn't have to be actual salary. It could be an extension of benefits coverage. But either way, I always advise clients to get a signed separation agreement in exchange for anything they're providing over and above what's required. Otherwise, you're just giving away free money. Now, I know that separation agreements show up in the news periodically, but remember, just like most other things, they can be used for good or evil. Having a separation agreement doesn't mean you or your company has actually done anything wrong, but it does provide a bit of protection from being accused of doing something wrong. And there are a lot of protections employees still retain, even if they sign a separation agreement. For instance, they can still bring charges of discrimination. Again, you are, of course, not required to get a separation agreement, but you should discuss it with your attorney. I almost always see severance and separation agreements during a reduction in force. Another thing I see in job eliminations are some sort of assistance without placement. After all, if someone loses their job because the company has to restructure, doing everything you can to help them get on their feet, it's just the right thing to do and good karma. Maybe offer to make a few calls or put their resumes out to your network. It's up to you, but it certainly builds goodwill. Making the decision on when the term is effective will also impact how you handle security. Are you going to cut off the employee's access while you're having the termination conversation, or are you going to wait? It's important to think through what you want the actual termination day to look and feel like for both you and the employee. I always strongly recommend that you have all your ducks lined up and ready to go. So as you're having the conversation, system access is being terminated. And if they have personal belongings, offer to gather them up and ship them versus making the employees stuff a box after they have just been fired. Now, on to documents. Most states have required notices that you have to give terminating employees. There are generally also guidelines on when you have to give them their final pay. In California, for instance, you must give the terminated employee all compensation that's due, and that includes vacation pay, 
no later than their last day of employment. There are some exceptions. We have a 72 hours rule around resignations, but if the employee is terminated by the company, you're always required to pay them right then and there. In fact, the regulations say you have to hand them their check on their final day. All direct deposit elections become null and void on termination, so it actually is supposed to be a hard copy check. And if you miss the deadline, you have to give them an additional day's pay for every calendar day that's missed to a maximum of 30 days. It's California's waiting time penalty. Now, different states have different rules. For instance, in New York, you can wait until the next regular pay date to pay final wages. So it's very important to double check the rules for your state. If they have benefits, you have to make sure they're getting COBRA documents so they know how to sign up and pay for continued coverage. And some benefit plans have portable coverage, meaning the employee can take the coverage with them. Life insurance often has portability. In that case, there are also notification documents to include in the term package around portability. You should always include a cover letter confirming the final day of employment and when the benefit coverage under the company plan will end without the COBRA extension. And it's a good idea to have a checklist of company property, keys, ID cards, laptops, cell phones, etc. so you can check off what's being returned and both the company representative and the employee can sign off and that can go in the personnel file. Now, I'm almost always asked can I hang on to their final check until they return all the equipment? Or the variation, can I deduct the cost of the equipment from their final check? The answer is no and no. You cannot hold someone's final check hostage until they return something. Federal law considers this two separate issues and they can't be commingled. And while some states may allow deductions in very narrow circumstances, most don't including California. And even with that, federal law won't allow deductions that would result in paying less than the minimum wage. So there are lots of guardrails around attempting to make a deduction for equipment. You should absolutely consult your employment attorney before trying to do it. Another document that might come into play is a reference letter. Now, HR professionals like me will tell you, all references should go through human resources or senior management, and they should only be name, rank, and serial number. Or better yet, the company should have a policy of not providing references at all. But since I know both of these are unlikely to happen in the real world, the next best thing is a reference letter. What we're trying to get at here is a uniform response from the company on that employee's performance, because we don't want someone you had to let go because of bad performance, getting a verbal reference from a manager at your company saying Sally was the best thing since sliced bread. Aside from sending a mixed message, it's a mixed message that could cause you some legal problems down the road. So, a reference letter makes sure that the message is consistent and has been carefully drafted. And another thing to keep an eye on are online recommendations like LinkedIn. Remind managers that employee references and endorsements should be cleared through the company. It may sound strange, but managers are acting as representatives of the company when they give a reference or endorsement. So on to the discussion. There are two types of termination discussion you might have. 
one where you have to eliminate the position, or a very different one if you're terminating the person for performance-related reasons. I'll get to the job elimination or RIF in a minute, but for right now, let's look at the termination for performance. The main thing to remember when you're thinking about the termination discussion is that the goal is to make sure everyone maintains their dignity. Always talk about the performance, never the person. Don't use always and never, because that's probably not true. Remember that just because their performance didn't meet the expectations for this job, they may be outstanding at a different job or company. Also, think about approaching the discussion from their side, as opposed to that of an adversary. For instance, as you know, we've had discussions around the performance expectations for your position. Unfortunately, the performance continues below our expectations. As a result, I have to terminate your employment effective today. We've put together a package of documents that will provide you with additional information and include your final paycheck, which pays you through today. Thank you for your work. I'm sorry it didn't work out, but I wish you all the best. So-and-so will go through the package documents with you, collect your keys, parking pass, etc., and make arrangements to send you your personal belongings. Again, thank you for everything. Then let the designated person, maybe HR or maybe your assistant, sit with them and collect the items and close out the meeting. A few things to keep in mind. If you feel like you want or need a witness to the meeting, then let HR or your assistant or someone on your team sit in and go with your gut. If you feel any discomfort around having the meeting, ask building security to stand by. The vast majority of terminations go as planned but you know your employees, and I believe in listening to your intuition. And I'll say it again, the goal is to let everyone maintain their dignity. Don't relitigate the issues, but when you said this, I did that. It doesn't help, and the decision has already been made. And take it from someone who, as a baby HR manager, presided over a four-hour termination. Do not let any of the following happen. Do not let the conversation devolve into a back and forth. Do not let the employee wander from desk to desk saying goodbye. And do not even think about changing your mind. Do make it short and move through the process. If you're doing a reduction in force, again, have all the documents prepared. Speak to the team members one by one if at all possible. Remember dignity. Let them know their position, not them personally, but their position has been selected for elimination. And again, get through the meeting and process efficiently. Do not ever terminate someone via email and try very hard not to terminate someone via phone or video. I know that sometimes a call or video can't be avoided, but remember it is always best to conduct a termination in person. And the final piece of the puzzle is disengaging. Once the employee has left, you should let the team know. Now, I've made the mistake of missing this step in the past, and it doesn't do any good for team communication. You don't need to go into detail. Just let them know that Sally has left the company and we wish her well. Then move on to the next step who's going to replace her, or how the work is going to be divvied up, and where appropriate, be prepared to notify your clients. Again, something like, 
Sally has left the company. We wish her well. Your new representative is X, Y, and Z. Remember, clients are much more interested in how and if the change will impact their service. So make sure your solution speaks to their concerns. I know letting someone go isn't fun, but if you follow these four Ds, it makes the process a bit easier. If you found this information helpful, please leave a review and tell a friend. Thanks for spending the time. Until next week, same time, same place.